Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Uh, today's topic is going to be with a distinguished nurse, um, Ad- uh, Adelina uh, Marshall, uh, VA Mental Health RN, and she is uh, my favorite nurse. I hope the other nurses aren't listening right now when I said that. <laughs> but our discussion today is going to be the 2021 National Nurses United Agenda. I am so pleased to have you on, Ad- Adelina. Tell us what this wonderful group is up to, because I know you do a lot of great work around policy and other issues. Yes, so thank you for having me. Thank you, Mr. Cliff Kelly and Glenda Smith and um, Dr. Smith for having us um, on board today. So one thing I do before we get started, I I do want to point out to the veterans the importance of having, if you've gotten your COVID uh, shot, the first shot, the importance of getting the second shot. That first shot is not going to give you full protection, and it's just kind of alerting your body that um, to get ready because the second shot now is going to come in. So it, it helps your body start getting the antibodies needed, but that second shot is giving your body that charge. It's like charging your battery. You know, it might just not turn over, but that second shot will um, give you the protection that you needed. So please remember that. Please get your second shot if you've already received your first one. When you do receive your first one, keep in mind that you do need to get a second uh, shot. Thank you. Okay, fantastic. Yes. Yeah, because that uh, COVID-19, what they're using right now is the Pfizer and Moderna are the ones out now. And I think Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca may come online down the road. Uh, I think they're going for the emergency youth authorization right now as we speak. Uh, And I think in uh, February, early February, they may be online. Uh, But for the Pfizer, it's 21 days in between. And for the Moderna, it's uh, 28 days in between the shots. And you need to have at least two weeks after your second shot, right, before you're fully protected. So the total time period is about six weeks. Uh, It's important for you to wear your mask, to physically distance six to eight feet, and to also uh, make sure you wash your hands still, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what will keep you safe. And we do know there are um, things on the Internet that may be conflicting with the information we're providing, Mm -hmm. but you Mm -hmm. will get the correct information on this show. And uh, we're bringing you the most updated information without any bias. We want our veterans and our um, listening audience to be protected. Oh, excellent. You you, you know, I'm so glad you said that uh, because we have many veterans at home and, you know, uh, the the youth have attended, you know, we're finding that youth are, one of the uh, vehicles of, you know, spreading the virus because they're more active and more mobile, right, and uh, have a tendency to socially gather a little bit more. Uh, But everyone needs to be protected against this, and it's important for the entire family to get it. So if you you are a veteran, you're in charge of that family battery, right? You get, make sure you get, (laughs) make sure that, uh, you know, people are getting protected and as well as yourself. And um, one of the things, too, is, like, if you miss the date, the second dose, you should still come in, like, a week later, right, if you miss that particular date. 
uh, I think the CDC say you can come up to like you know a few you know a couple of months after that as long as you you know just make sure you get that second shot like you're saying. Right. So the other thing that we'd like to address today after that most important information there is that um, NNU is looking forward to the new administration coming on board. And one of the reasons for that is that hopefully we will have another secretary of the uh, VA, uh, Dennis McDougnut, um, his confirmation hearing is scheduled for the 27th of mm-hmm. okay. January. Our prior secretary has been really anti-worker, anti-problems uh, with the VA administration, mm-hmm. and we're just hopefully um, the new administration will realize that our veterans need uh, staff on board. They need to be fully staffed to provide for all the programs and things that the VA wants to roll out. The priority for the new VA administration is to stop the privatization of the VA. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is to respect the VA RNs and all workers. The new administration needs to undo the efforts of the current administration to privatize, remember that word, privatize the VA Mm -hmm. and expand the care of VA to veterans who don't currently get care at the VA. There's 23 million veterans, but only uh, 9 million of those veterans get care at the VA now. So uh, NNU has put out a white paper, research paper, and it's called Respect and it stands for restraining effective and sound programs for excellent care and treatment, retraining mm-hmm. effective and sound programs for excellent care and treatment of our veterans. Mm-hmm. You know, our veterans, the population, many of them have disability, service-related disability that required specialized treatment. They can get that at the VA. Yeah. The population has a higher rate of chronic conditions. Mm-hmm. So when the patient come in, we look at them at whole health care. We look at the whole veteran from top to bottom to the tip of your toes, top of your head. We want to make sure that you're okay. When I go to a doctor, they're only going to treat me for maybe the cause that I'm coming in for. But at the VA, we want to look at the whole veteran and make sure that any uh, underlining issues are addressed. And they have that right to that health care. That's right. Our veteran population is aging, and so um, we're prepared for that. We know that as we age, we're starting to get confronted with other issues, diabetes, uh, heart disease, um, Alzheimer's, a lot of host of other issues. And so the veteran, uh, the VA is prepared to take care of those things. Our other concern with this administration coming on and past administration initiated is the Mission Act, double regulatory, double standards, and most aggressive attempt to privatize the VA. So regulations established by the Mission Act has tightened access standards within VHA, but failed to hold the private sector to these same standards. So the VA has to be transparent. The government has to be transparent. Uh, private sector does not come under those regulations. So the regulation established separate standards within VHA for primary care, mental health, and specialty care access. For primary care and mental health, veterans can go to private sector if appointments isn't available 
within 20 days or a 30-minute drive for their home. But for specialty care, veterans can go to private sector if appointments is available within 28 to 60 days drive from home. Private sector providers are not held to these same standards. In fact, mm -hmm. if you can't get an appointment in private care for 20 days, then they put you as far out as they possibly can until there is an opening. We do know that there are shortages for these specialties in the private sector. And so it's another reason why our veterans should seek care at the VA. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right because, you know, I, you know, I actually seek care at the VA. Um, you know, I've, I've been in service for 26 years and retired. And when I go there, I feel there's a feeling of being with other veterans. I can't explain. Uh, it feels like being with family again. Right. And uh, also the, the staff I've always found to be very caring, the nurses, uh, you know, the, the technicians and uh, people who are there. Um, and, and, and it's one other thing, you know, when you uh, talk about privatizing, one of the things I have a concern about is that many, uh, if, if we want to compare this to the Medicaid system, you know, uh, where there is uh, Medicaid being administered by private practitioners, some of them turn down Medicaid. And I, I, you know, and I've had an experience, you know, personally where I went to one institution and they said, well, we don't cover, you know, we don't accept the VA uh, benefits here. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was for physical therapy. And uh, if initially they said yes. And then uh, when I went, you know, went there to get the appointment, they said, no, we don't cover this. And what I'm worried about is if they privatize this, will this be similar to Medicaid where, you know, providers can turn down uh, services to veterans, they should be guaranteed. They should be guaranteed. You're right. And so I, I feel much safer within a veteran system, you know, a VA system that has been designed, built, and dedicated to taking care of veterans. Well, the other thing about the VA is that we have many veterans who work here. They're doctors, they're nurses, they're support personnel. And my experience here at the VA, do not mess with my veterans. Uh, the other veterans will be so upset. So they are also an extra set of eyes for you on your care. Yeah. And uh, we would like the new administration, Congress, to fully fund and fully staff the VA. So yeah, VA nice. has the adequate resources to take care of our nation's heroes. Number two is respecting VARNs and all health care workers. Uh, right now, they had refused to sign um, our collective bargaining agreement. And so we're still under the, the same contract that we had before. Mind you, um, government personnel cannot strike. So what we bargain for is workplace and also patient care. And we want to make sure that the patients are getting the care that they need but we also need appropriate staffing. So we've had issues where they didn't have um, phlebotomists, and that adds, uh, that takes away from the nurses being able to attend to another patient. So when we get patients and they're ringing their call button, and then they're, they're upset because the nurses can't, uh, you know, attend to them right away, mm -hmm. that's because our staffing is short and we're doing the job of other um, disciplines that should should be enough to to assist us. Mm -hmm. So I might have to say, well, Mr. Marshall, I'll be with you as soon as I can. But right now, I have to take care of this other patient's need, and I don't have anybody else to send to you. 
So right. we have nurses, um, you know, bringing that to our attention. We want um, the Biden-Harris administration to rescind the all anti-union executive orders, which sole purpose was to try and silence the voices of the RNs and healthcare workers. We are the advocates for our veterans. And without a contract, the staff will be fearful of losing their jobs or mm-hmm. disciplinary action, and therefore they'll be worried about advocating for their patients or, you know, saying that this doctor didn't do that or, you know, uh, I didn't have enough staff to perform this. And so right now we are your eyes and ears. We look at your medication orders. Um, Just the other day I was talking to a veteran and he said, Ms. Marshall, uh, they had stopped this medication for me, but now I'm on it again and I don't want to take it. But he didn't want to talk to his doctor. So I'm the one that wrote the note to the doctor and asked him to please review um, this patient's medication because he stated that it wasn't working for him and that it had already been changed. Mm-hmm. So the doctor mm-hmm. did look at it and uh, the next day and, and did change his medication. Oh, right. So right. patients feel safe coming to the nursing staff knowing that we will speak on their behalf. Oh, yes, yeah, and it, it's very, it's a, that's a critically important, you know, that people feel like they are, you know, being listened to and that they are being taken care of appropriately. But I've been in, you know, I'm a, phys- a physician myself, but uh, I've been in multiple uh, medical settings, and I've never seen anything quite as efficient as the um, VA system, you know, uh, making sure that you get your medications, you get, you know, the day you're there, not 10 days later, not five months later, or, or looking for a specialty appointment a, a year later, right? Right, <laughs> um, right, right. And, um, and, and, you know, you put up another point that I think is really important to stress is that we don't need any more unfunded mandates for veterans. You know, don't put something down on paper if you don't mean it, if you're a legislator. Right. Make sure that you are funding this thing appropriately and you're giving people the kind of staff they need to take care of people who are there. Uh, that is just uh, a slap in the face uh, to say that you are you care so much about the veterans and then to not uh, provide the funding, uh, you know, adequate funding for that um, image or that uh, dream that you put out there to come true. Right. And That's exactly what happens mm-hmm. is, um, I don't know what they call it, but when they're, you know, talking in public and, and they're making these statements and, again, they're putting on paper, and then when we have to initiate that, we're like, okay, where where's the staff? Where How are we going to do this? You know, how, how are RNs having to take patients to x-rays and, and all these other um, things that they may need, dental service, um, podiatry service? And you're pulling a highly trained nurse from the bedside to to do work, and then now you're leaving the other patients exposed in case there is an emergency. That nurse needs to be on that floor to be able to do that. That's right. So right. they're not also not hiring nurses or under hiring. They also don't have the other auxiliary staff. And as we've all known uh, for COVID, um, all the employees are essential workers. So we need um, you know EMS to keep the hospital clean and. You know, and food service to feed the, the the veterans appropriately. 
So they have underhired across the board. And where is that money? If Congress appropriates the money, where is it? Why isn't it? Is it going to private sector to support some of the um, programs they initiated through the Mission Act? And is that taking money out of the budget of the VA? So we have to look at mm-hmm. at all of these things. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, is there a way that people can find out more about the National Nurse, uh, Nurses United? Is there a website or a telephone? So we, we have a website, and, mm-hmm. and they can go online and uh, Google National Nurses United. It will come right up. Uh, we okay. are an international organization. We advocate for veterans and uh, for the appropriate care and nursing staff to um, deliver that. And we're the largest nurses union in the country. And surprisingly, even our nurses in right-to-work states, which mean you don't have any rights to work, they can fire you, you know, without grounds, Mm -hmm. they are um, joining and organizing so that NNU can come into their facilities. So uh, we're at 23 VAs across the country, and the last VA that um, had came on board was San Diego. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Yes. And, you know, is there there anything that uh, people can um, do to help, uh, you know, assist in this process, you know, writing letters, doing something? uh, Yes, I think it's a good time now Mm -hmm. that the new administration is coming on, that their their, uh, ears and commitment to the general population and to our veterans. Um, they want to hear. They, they need to know what you feel your needs are. And what other issues we're having is with the FLRA um, boards, and we want that to be a board that are um, staffed with people who are non-biased and allow for management and unions to have a working relationship that allowed nurses to safely care and speak up for our patients. So our veterans have a strong voice. Reach out to your congressman. Um, Danny Davis is on the um, veteran committee, mm-hmm. and um, he has been very um, proactive in hearing the voices of the veterans. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. And and this is really a critical time period because, you know, as uh, things are coming, we we have had so many, uh, you know, strikes against people's human rights, right, uh, during this administration and, you know, and, uh, you know, rhetoric that actually has incited violence and even insurrection. Uh, and, And we really need to come back into a time period where we respect those veterans who uh, served overseas and uh, need this uh, health care. And the only way you can do th- provide them with what the promise of this nation was to those who, you know, raised their hand to serve and protect, defend against all enemies, foreign and domestic, is to provide them with the adequate staffing to take care of their health care needs. Right. Um, and, 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 and making sure that that staff, as you were mentioning before, so many of them are veterans themselves. And uh, so we really have to make sure that um, – that we take care of those people who served that protected that capital that was under siege last week. Right. That, um, this uh, border um, fiasco we've had that also affects some of our veterans who have fought on the U.S. Mm-hmm. military mm-hmm. and deported for 
very minor reasons or whatever, they're denied their health care here, too. There's not a VA, say, over uh, across the border in, in Mexico or anything that those veterans can go and get care. Mm-hmm. So they're lost. They fought with us. They, um, you know, they're entitled to care, and this past administration has impacted on their care. So as they treat one, our attention should go up because it's only a short period of time that they will start treating our other veterans in that manner. Yes, and and we are one core, we're one body, you know, as a military, and, uh, that you know, we should be making sure that they uh, understand that, that veterans will stand up for each other, and we should be standing up for each other and, and not allowing uh, veterans to be um, mistreated or maltreated in any way uh, in this nation. And there's no reason for that to happen. And any any uh, philosophy or anything that says uh, things should be another way uh, is actually um, detrimental to this country, to the right. strength of this country. Right. The veterans should hold, uh, I will say, any administration accountable for what they are telling them that they will provide them. We have young men and women uh, going into the military expecting that once they get out and become veterans that they will be cared for. We have Vietnam veterans who did the same thing, and then they come out, and the reality of it is that they're not caring for them appropriately. And they need to be heard, and they need to make sure that they are writing and emailing and texting um, to these representatives to let them know that you're you're registered voters and that you will hold them accountable, not through taking over the government, but through the process of being able to vote and to vote in and out whoever is not uh, meeting your needs or who are selling you a false uh, bill of care. And they need to be very aware of that, that there are ways that you can be heard, and one of that is through the ballot box. That's right, absolutely. And that's that's what this democracy is about, you know, people making sure they have the right to express their opinions and get things uh, moving in that direction. And, you know, uh, one of the things uh, that happened last week is that uh, those Capitol Police, and many of them were actually also veterans, too, um, and that uh, many of them actually defended that Capitol um, appropriately. So they say they were saving the lives of the very people who are, are casting those votes and making those policies and, uh, you know, assigning uh, monies to uh, the VA system. So they should, uh, you know, think about what happened and how they were protected by those people who swore to serve and protect. Right. Uh, so so we're running out of time. Uh, just wanted to thank you again uh, for uh, being on the show. We will be following uh, National Nurses United, and we help, help to have you back as this legislative season rolls forward uh, with what your policies are and how you are interacting with uh, those things that are so essential to our veterans. And I just wanted to make one quick shout-out is to of uh, one of our board members, just General Russell Honore. You go get him. Yes, uh, we're, we're, yes. ha- we're happy that he is on board right. and doing the things that our nation needs at a critical right. time. I'd like so. to um, mm-hmm. uh, alert the veterans that there is a crisis hotline. I know many of them are affected over the events mm-hmm. that have transpired since um, 
uh, January 6th, and uh, that number is 1-800 number, 1-800-273-8255, and just press 1. But okay, if you're cool. in crisis and you need help, you can go to any hospital, but come to the VA if possible okay, or great. ask to be transferred here. Well, thank you so much, Adelina. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.